Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Rambo Edition. My name is Michael Schantz. I am from the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, my co-host, your friend, the sage Brit, Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions. All right, Tom, what's your last quotable? Turns are great. Great turner. is a line of dialogue in this movie. It's something said. Exactly. More, or more accurately, as you're intonating... character. ...is something that Stallone accidentally said on screen and they left it in the movie. Right. <laughs> it feels like a kind of Stallone Tourette's that, that, yeah. They, yeah. that they correctly identified in Big Mouth. But, you know, when he doesn't have anything else to say, he just says, yeah, it's great, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm very fond of that moment and what it says about uh, the the lax standards of this movie. Right. <laughs> I I was I <laughs> I was on a hike the other day with my other co-host from the How Dare You podcast, Lady Chu. Wonderful podcast. Mentioned... Wonderful, wonderful podcast. No, see, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not not thank no you. irony. She's great. We, I, we were. I was telling her that we were doing the Rambo series, and I mentioned Rambo: Last Blood, and she said, "What?" Naturally, because it's Chew. She had no idea this movie had been made, but she was really shocked that a new Rambo movie had come out in 2019. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are in fact talking about Rambo: Last Blood, a 2019 film directed by Adrian Grunberg. The only other movie this guy's directed, Tom, is Get the Gringo. All right, which was uh, um, filmed uh, at least partially in San Diego. Oh, is that right? And it's another border story. Right. So he must be bring. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to uh, exonerate Stallone, but I wonder if some of the uh, the um, yeah, but anti- when your other star is Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> some of the anti uh, anti Mexican diatribe of this, I wonder if some of that's coming from his corner. We'll, we'll, right, we'll <laughs> yeah, see. Exactly. If so, Stallone is certainly not fighting it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, having said that, this director is has worked on films such as Traffic, Frida, Master and Commander, Man on Fire, Jarhead, Apocalypto. Mm. That all makes sense. Yeah. These uh these last two movies, in terms at, at the very least uh, as to what America thought of them, are carbon copies. They both had a budget of fifty million dollars. They both had opening weekends of around eighteen million. They both made almost their money back. This one made forty four million in the USA, and this one didn't quite outpace the last movie worldwide cumulatively ninety one point four as opposed to I think it was one hundred and thirteen or so million for its predecessor, for just Rambo. So sadly, his decision to go back is almost 
justified financially. Almost just. I was just gonna say it. It is almost justified. <laughs> I, I was. I mean, not artistically, but financially. Forty-four million dollars in the USA. That might encourage him to make more. I mean, he's already talked about making more. Well, we're gonna tell him his, uh, you know, the idea. In our oh, next that's episode, right. Yeah. So. He'll be fine. If you're listening, Mr. Stallone, uh, I apologize for that rather blunt impersonation of you a few minutes ago. <laughs> rather blunt. <laughs> oh, that's great. Demolition Man is an underrated classic. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. Oh, yeah. Sadly, instead, we're going to talk about Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let me ask you this. One of the original ideas for this movie, you remember in our last episode, I gave you one of, you know, 43 possible plots that Stallone had planned over yeah, years. Yeah, and this was one of them, right? What, what, yeah, we, well, what we ended up with was one of them. Yeah, I, there, there were certainly two in that long list that spoke to this idea. Mm-hmm. But something caught my eye when I was kind of researching this movie and when he first had the idea to bring this character back and do this last movie, it was going to be a meth version. Now, considering... Hmm. <laughs> Mulling that one over. <laughs> well, just, yeah, I mean, 2019, we know that there's an opioid crisis. Right. So wouldn't that at least speak to... Something that's currently happening in America. Not that I think Rambo is the guy to solve that problem. It's a massive geopolitical problem that I'm not sure Rambo can deal with. But in his own small way, I'm sure in some small town he could, in Arizona, fix some meth dealers. But good. Having just heard that, my initial reaction is that it would definitely make this a less racist movie. For sure. Um, although, you know, you, you know, you never know. (laughs) Well, some of Trump, some of Trump's propaganda, which also finds its way into this movie, uh, is centered around the opioid crisis. So it's not guaranteed Mm -hmm. that it will be a less offensive politically political movie, but it, it might take the virulent racism out to some extent. Um, but what, I mean, that's, that's interesting. I mean, Again, my instinct is like this: the the right approach if you want to kind of circle back to First Blood. Although the last movie was supposed to do that, and it did, it did. But we apparently we're conti- we're we're but, going right. we're going another full circle here. We managed to go full circle <laughs> as of the last movie, and we've decided to start, I guess, coloring not even inside the circle. We're coloring outside. That's the right. Yeah, now. but. Um, what makes sense to me is like, and this is what excited me when I saw the trailer is that we'd go back to a like we'd we'd go from like an international war. Yeah, me too. To, that that was the one thing I was struck by. To a war, you know, a domestic, a domestic problem, civil war, which is not what this movie is. It, but it's certainly not a you know that it's not state actors. It's all private actors, right? Um. Do, you know, the, the there's no government, there's no government or army in this. Um, Correct. It's all between individuals, which takes it back to to first blood. But right. so I, but then once you make, me- you think that was super intentional? 
like he was hearkening back to the original First Blood. Well, the trailer certainly makes in his it, mind. The cert- I mean, calling it Last Blood for one thing, because we haven't right. heard heard a blood for a while. Uh, it's not since the second movie has has any kind of blood been mentioned. Has blood first or entered last. the titles? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> We've been Rambo for a while, so right. that's very conscious. And um, did you see the trailer before you saw the movie? Oh yeah. So I was very excited by that trailer because my sense from it was that this was going to be Sylvester Stallone's Unforgiven. Oh, well, you're giving an awful lot of credit that I did not give. Well, but having seen the movie a couple of times now, I now realize that is precisely because he stole the shot from Unforgiven of the family grave under the tree with right. with the guy right. in silhouette. So that's why Unforgiven was playing on my mind. And also a little inception yeah. shenanigans in your mind. There, exactly. Right? And and also the fact that it the the trailer has a voiceover in it that I assumed was some kind of starting point of the movie. But it is not. But it is not. It is in fact the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I you know it's definitely it's definitely not that movie. Although there are elements of it, at least this time round, where I thought, oh yeah, this is this is this has got shades of Unforgiven in its early sections. I think I think that kind of elegiac western is definitely playing on on the minds of the filmmakers of the people making this. Um, yeah, it's it's I, the left know. it's the left turn it takes. Uh, you you know, certainly after have that image. Oh yeah, that screws it up. Um, so, I mean, that's the movie I was expecting. Uh, and um, so I think I think doing something completely domestic would have been a better idea. I'm not sure. Again, I'm suspicious that Rambo and Meth are a good mix, but okay. But definitely, <laughs> I'm going through the list of all the social issues he could cover, and Rambo is good for none of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would just take like like that's why. But I, is doesn't that prove the inherent problem with this movie? But that's why I like the idea that this would be like just about you know uh an old, you know, gunfighter slash soldier, um, you know, trying to, you know, on one last mission. It doesn't have to be about society at all or mm-hmm. politics. It could just be like, you know, someone's murdered and he's part of a, a kind of in, you know, informal posse. posse. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> why not? That's the movie sure. I would have wanted to see. Well, stay tuned for my fucking pitch. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> the outlaw John Rambo. No, it's different than that. Okay. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think pros and cons to that, but... Um, yeah, well, that's the thing, you know, any... When I first saw the trailer, I mean, I remember being very struck by... The question, why? I'm not saying that Rambo, 2008's Rambo, was the end-all, be-all of, of great films. But it did, and we talked about this in the previous episode, it did feel like it completed this series. 
yeah, and and so uh, when they in, when they, when but, we saw that ranch, we didn't think this is a beginning of another movie. We thought of this, story. Is the, this is this the is the end of the story. Yeah, it's not the beginning the of a new story. Right. But Stallone but doesn't think I'm, in those terms because I'm willing to carry Sylvester Stallone's water for him, like you. Like the second I see it, I'm I'm like, oh goody. Yeah. Let's see what's going on with John J. Rambo, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it just. There's not, there's really not a lot in this movie that I like. It, it feels like a misstep, you know. I I like. I mean, I, all I, the way through. I don't know if I said this in the last episode, but I I kind of like the fact that they they pick up at the ranch. Mm-hmm. Like I think. No, I, I'll agree with that. That that I. That I think if I they'd have okay forgotten with, about like that. that, it would have been a worse, an even worse movie. Yeah. But what that kind of, but sadly, you know, the downside of that is what that lumbers them with story-wise is just more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, and so let's talk. Let's start at the beginning because mm-hmm. John J. Rambo is on his Arizona farm. That's right. Riding his horses. Oh I'm wow! Still, I still marvel at the fact that this thick hulk of a man is as good a horseman as he is but he is but that's neither here nor there but he's living with some people we've never met before who and i'm not sure this movie decides to explain who these people are (laughs) i have exactly the same note i think (laughs) i i i i don't i don't want to kind of like feed into the racism of the movie you know of course there's no reason why rambo's sister could have married into uh, a mexican family and this is just the extended family now but right the sense i got after giving a zero information the first time i saw this movie was that they uh, that family were in charge of running the ranch, and Rambo, when his father died, just kind of adopted them as his own family. That's the sense I got. Okay. Have, yeah. The movie having given us no information. This time when I saw it, I thought, I think they're actually related. Well, and that's a weird thing. I mean, she, you know, the young woman is always calling him Uncle John. <laughs> right. <laughs> then a character at one point in the middle of the movies. Like, who's this? Who's she to you? Why do you care? What is she, your daughter? And he goes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Which I Which understand. we know is not true because we've met her father in the movie. But I, I understand the intention but behind that line. Like, I understand. I it's like. But it just seems strange that the idea for that all the intents character and of Rambo wants to move on past this conversation. He doesn't want to have to explain the strange dynamic of, of how they know each other to this character. So he just says, yeah, she's my daughter. Just it's so a, they can move on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like. Um, that's I think that's exactly what it is. But within the context of already ambiguous familial relations, it's not a helpful moment. Right. right. It's supposed to be a, like a you know like a gut wrenching emotional moment, but it just creates more confusion. Um. So I think it's well, and I also did you have a feeling because at the very beginning of the of the movie with. I think it's, is it, 
Adriana. Gabriella. Is the actor. Mara uh, Beltran. Who plays, I'm assuming, Gabriella's mother. Yes. Uh, grandmother. <laughs> or, okay. See? Like, I just... This fucking movie doesn't explain it's a, it. You know what? Thing. It's it's a be but, careful what you wish for moment because I like the fact that they, and I've liked it in all the way through this franchise, that when they do exposition, they do it visually rather than through dialogue. Dialogue, yeah. But it's just a quick scan over a few photographs that tell us yeah, right, nothing. Yeah, right, right, right. They no, tell us yeah, that no. these people have a relationship, which we already know, but they don't explain what that relationship is. But they don't is. explain what it is. And that's, but I also yeah. took issue with, you know, Rambo and Mara are having a conversation. And to me, my note is, I don't believe these people know each other. Hmm. I literally thought, this must have been the first day of shooting. Well, that's where you get the turns of great, great Turner line. So clearly... Stallone's right. not feeling too comfortable as an actor. He has to do his Stallone Tourette's. <laughs> you know, overall, in the big scheme of things, not that there's anything particularly remarkable or good about these scenes, but this is the part of the movie where, that I that I kind of enjoy. I think the family drama works relatively well. Uh, Stallone looks more comfortable. I mean, really, the only kind of... He's at an age now where, you know... If he wants to do something that's impressive physically, fancy riding of horses is as good as it's going to get. Yeah. And I enjoy yeah, I you... enjoy also being a Stallone head. I enjoy the extra diegetic significance of that. The fact that he's riding a stallion. Of course, he mm-hmm. used to be known as the Italian the stallion Italian from stallion, a right. softcore porn film he did uh, in his early career. Um, well, it's also the nickname of Rocky Balboa. That's right, yeah. So he's bringing <laughs> he's bringing that element in that you know what you've revealed to me about him being such a great horseman, and we also see that in Rambo Three. So I love those threads that are that are in this kind of moment. Um, but and I, and I I kind of enjoy how like I'm comfortable with where this 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 sequence goes. And you mentioned to me. I didn't know this, that the extended cut of the movie, which I assumed was like a unrated cut, but clearly there's nothing else you could put in there well, that is yeah, not already right. in this movie. Um, once you've ripped a man's heart out, there's the nowhere to go. The heaps of violence that are in this movie. Um, but you said that there was like an extra scene where, where he rescues someone from a storm. And I was thinking, oh, yeah. God, I, like, yeah, I'm sure that weighed the movie down story wise, but... I would have loved but to. But you said it interested you, yeah. Well, I just thought, well, you know, th- that that's the flavor of the movie I like. This movie, incidentally, is 129-something. Yeah. Okay, so two things here. First of all, we've said First before, of all, there's we've, we've talked like, before about the, the red flag, like the sequels getting shorter is a red right, flag. yeah. Paul Shear on how did this get made often says that one of the ways you know you're watching a bad movie is if it doesn't get to the 90 minute mark. And this movie has 10 to 12 minutes of credits. Right. At the beginning and end. I mean, exactly. Like, So this is an hour and 20 minute movie. And there's an extended cutout there. So are you telling me you couldn't find 30 more seconds of footage just so it ticks over 90 minutes? (laughs) Over the 90 mark? And the only conclusion I can come to is this movie wants to warn us that it is not good in its running time. (laughs) Right. 
because it's, one ninety something warning. is too specifically under ninety. <laughs> For that there's not no, to be significant. There's no movie I trust less than a movie that purports to be lean and mean at just under ninety minutes. But also, this like like First Blood is ninety three minutes, so you've not got far to go. In right. <laughs> you've not got much leeway there. Because you don't want to be over 93 minutes, really. <laughs> but you don't want to be under 90, and yet this movie does both. <laughs> but anyway, that was my that was my uh, that was my biggest gripe. Uh, you know, aside from the fact, as with the last movie, I missed the TriStar logo. Yeah, I mean we... TriStar logo. I remember my brother, my younger brother, once said. You know, I think I'm going to go to TriStar and get a picture deal. This is when he's like 19. I said, oh, is that right? How, how are you going to manage to do that? He goes, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I really like that horse. Yeah. Oh, you, he, your brother is speaking my language because yeah. I'm fascinated by that. By how I tell you what, what fascinates me about the horse, the TriStar horse. We can talk about this. this is a, it's two of the Rambo movies. This is relevant. That horse has always looked out of control to me. <laughs> I guarantee you, whoever was in charge of filming that logo died was because a horse trampled on horse. his head. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're just getting started with Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a logo that's not even we're in this talk- movie. Yeah, that's not even in the movie. We're, we're going to take a break and then we'll come right back right after this. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back. Tom and I are here, of course, discussing the 2019 sequel, Rambo Last Blood, the so far last movie in the series. Yeah. Do we believe uh, that? In, uh, I, I, I see no other way to get a Bond reference in here, so I'm going to go from... Hey, 21 Her- minutes, 45 seconds, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to go from uh, <laughs> Diana Riggin on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I wouldn't go banco on that. <laughs> Oh, great. All right, let me ask you this about this movie. So, 
You know, we've mentioned this several times in other podcasts where a movie's trying to, you know, have its cake and eat it, eat it too. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's anything to the idea that this movie wants to be taken seriously on any level about PTSD? <sighs> like, why didn't this movie just be what this movie was? Well, the, the problem, and it's not this, you know, it's not a solitary problem in the movie, is that that they've made a MacGuffin out of his PTSD medication. Yeah. Because it's there as kind of like, it's, in all these movies, there's some kind of narrative leash on his... Psyche. Uh, on his, like, crazy behavior. Yeah. There's, like, just there's just one thing keeping him from going apeshit on everyone. And in this movie, it's building <laughs> four miles worth of underground tunnels. Apparently so. Yeah. Um, well, however, ironically, that, that makes... He's also accidentally created an arena of combat in creating this place of self-reflection. Right. Um, it's like if... Well, I was going to say, it's like if Superman's Fortress of Solitude was also an arena of warfare. As we know from Superman 2, it is. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I think that that's the problem, is that, that, that it's... I'm glad it serves a story function, and it's not just like... Sure. Oh, you know, there's there's medication for PTSD now. Uh, but he makes the active choice to throw that medication away in this movie. Right. But it's really just, I think, it. you know, I, These I don't... These are my don't murder people pills. I need to murder people. Right. <laughs> yeah. You got it. You've got it right there. And so it is like, you know... We should we make a big deal of him throwing it away in when he gets to Mexico right. to show us that he's gonna because all we've had and and I like the fact that you know this is something we've not seen before this completely domesticated Rambo mm -hmm. he takes his medication in the morning he lives in his tunnel that gives him peace he does the thing with the horses you know he lives a normal life not he's even still like forging a, he's still forging metal yeah, and swords and knives. <laughs> He's not digging for cobras in Thailand anymore. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So w when he makes a knife now, he, he uses it as a letter opener. Um, yeah, exactly. So I like those. I like those touches. That I think the medication, because it because it's it's obviously only there as a story point, is not taken seriously enough for what it connotes. And in an in a more cultural sense, I think it dis disingenuous. We see a photograph of Jimi Hendrix on his wall, yeah. and then later on in the in the movie he plays the Doors. The Doors during uh, during an his attack. Scene. Yeah, and I sort of think like that's disingenuous because it, it, it's basically saying, "Oh well, this is the music we associate with Vietnam," so we're assuming that he's into it. We yeah. never get a sense of this before. Okay, I'll give that, you that. That but... he's even that he's even aware of popular music, or even at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it just, and he's it doesn't seem like the kind of character who would you know be would have been really meta? celebrating that era of music. What would have been really it, meta is if when the drug dealers show up and instead of playing the Doors, he plays like classic orchestrated music from the Rambo movies. Well, I mean, that would I'm, that would feel that would feel more like the soundtrack that's running to his head rather than Jim Morrison, right? 
you know, this hippie poet. Because but I he was always never... took it. I, I, you know, I didn't go far. I guess I, I gave the movie a break in the sense of, okay, yeah, this guy's stuck in the past, so he's probably listening to the music he did when he was a kid. All right, fine. And I just let it go yeah. with that. Okay, fair enough. But it's... Uh, what do you think about him having flashbacks to stock footage of news from Vietnam? That he could yeah. have never possibly seen because he that was he, in he, Vietnam. Right. And then on top of that, you know, it's presented in the form of sort of whispers in the tunnels, as if the tunnels mm-hmm. he built to help settle his mind are now haunting him. You remember that as he's walking through the tunnels and checking to make sure the tunnels are all, you know, good and tunnel like and you start hearing whispers and then seeing flashbacks and that, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm gonna. I, it's it's the thing. It's like it's like in in the wrong hands. But that's what the thing about this movie. Like, I was... can be awful. Like, wait, say I, it again. Of you, of you, in the wrong hands, something that that you desire to happen can become the worst possible thing that you can imagine. Yeah. So, like. I'm saying I love this idea of the domesticated Rambo and specifically Stallone where he is age-wise. That's what I want to see more than, you know, uh, than him as a... Sure. You know, pretending that he could in any way be an action hero right. anymore. I, I So I, I, I like that turn, but... I think they fuck that up too, though. They fuck... Well, what they fuck it up with is like... I mean, it's still my favorite parts of the movie the beginning and end but it's set up as something that is like exp- right. you know, giving yeah, us exposition too. about um rambo's emotional state but mm-hmm. in the final act it's just you you know everything is just about weapons and location like it's all about how well it fits into that arena of combat he creates so the emotional well, also, psychologically it, it's pretty ugly at the end i mean it's the verbiage that he's using about <laughs> yes. making well, yes. people feel it's... his hate and his right. pain. Mm-hmm. But the, it is, it's set up as like this is set up as like he's found his sanctuary. And then, you know, in the end of the movie, you realize that everything that's been set up is just kind of mission prep. Right. Disguised as, um, psychological background so while those two sections of the movie work best for me independent of each other right together right. they make for a they make um, for a mess a staggeringly uneven movie right which is not even to talk about the midsection of this movie which is abhorrent from start to finish yeah everything irredeemable about it. irredeemable oh i think the point so for those that don't know yeah. let's Go ahead. catch them up on what actually happens in this movie the character of of, of Gabriella she wants to she, what what is it she i mean she wants to see her father but why she gets that underground phone call that she that there wouldn't be a reception for her to receive and uh, right. <laughs> in the tunnel she wants to reconnect with her father but only to find out oh yeah why i made a note of that him. Right. And Rambo, she, but 
before we Does know this. Does this feel justified? Does no. this feel at all justified that she makes this choice to go to Mexico to take that trip? It's it's a big left turn. Right. The problem is before we know any of this, all we have, all the information we have is he, she says to Rambo, I want to go to Mexico. And I he know. says, why the fuck would you want to do that? And right. this is before we know the context, which is that she wants to go and see her father and he knows that this is the worst decision she could possibly make. Well, not only that, he says, I'm not letting you go to such a dangerous place. Right. So all we, but basically... Before we've even got to Mexico, he's already slandered an entire country. Right. Yeah. He's reduced, you know, this this one line has reduced this, you know, I'm not going to pretend that the kinds of crimes and violence that we see in the movie in don't Mexico exist. Does it absolutely exist. But to reduce this rich, varied culture and society to this tiny part of what's right. going on in the country currently. Because because of this, you know, this movie posits that any person that goes to Mexico is going to be kidnapped, sold into slavery, and used as a drug pin needle or a drug, right. ne- you know. Yeah. Uh, inside, I... of, inside of 12 hours. Right. That will be your life. Which is yeah. abhorrently racist. <laughs> Right, and there's no there's no gray area within that. Right, and really, really only paying lip service to the idea that you know the 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 real truth of this is that poverty is responsible for a lot of this, a lot of people's decisions in this area, which they only ever pay lip service to through the Giselle character, but Mm -hmm. she's represented too unsympathetically for that to ever come through. Right. Um. Which is her friend in Mexico who sells her to a who drug sells lord, her. um, and and then through the Paz Vega because she character, says things that character says it. things like I see you judging my place like you think it's a shithole, right? But it doesn't look like a shithole. It just looks like, you know, it just doesn't know. It basically it's sort of like we should throw something in that shows that we we think that you know there are social reasons why she's a bad person, but. Right doing nothing in the characterization or the acting and I don't blame the actor here they give it she's given what she is to do which is a caricature sure um there's nothing in that that makes that case and the, and there's no. nothing like the Paz Vega character in this who plays a journalist journalist right who has lost a relative to the cartel that Rambo is mixed up with um and saves him, you know. She she's really the really well, the reason Rambo's alive. But but she like she's a journalist and and she's trying to expose the crime and corruption. But we never again. It's like well, we've got to throw in a good Mexican uh, journalists. You know, these investigative journalists who are trying to uncover the cartel. These citizen journalists. Let's make her one of those with no talk about the work she's doing. No, and yeah, at all. That serves no function. She's literally just the no, person. No, it only In serves fact, the function not even of her. giving just... Rambo the information he needs to go kill some people. Right. And that's it. And again, you know, there's a class issue there. It's like we can't see working class people as as working class Mexicans as good Mexicans. You have to be this middle class. 
Well, uh, and on top of that, like this whole middle section, person. take out all the terrible racist nonsense. The other problem that's so uneven about this middle part is, A, Rambo shows up and clearly has lost his reconnaissance skills because he has <laughs> noticed inside of five seconds and surrounded by 100 men. But then I... Giselle, no, not Giselle, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Carmen Paz Vega. Yeah. She can somehow drive her car up to within 20 feet of when they're beating Rambo up and cutting up his face without being seen. Then it's yeah. Then Rambo is given information about where to find Gabriella. And that place is only defended by three people who he can kill with just a hammer. And has no mm. problem getting in. You know what I mean? It was just he seems. Well, they think he's dead by that point. To be fair, it makes some sense. Yeah, but that doesn't it. mean that they don't still have their outward defenses. You know, they present <laughs> themselves as you can't round a corner without a guy on a phone seeing where you are from up above, and do do do, and you know what I mean. And that's that, not uh, present that anymore s- for the rest of Rambo killing people while he's in Mexico. I don't disagree. I mean, the whole point of that. Uh, you know, he gets beaten on by by not only, uh, you know, like young, healthy people, but if you look in the background, there's some guys who are older than him kicking right. his head in. <laughs> right. Which I think is, is, is saying us, like, Rambo isn't just out of shape and too old. He's, like, not even good compared to some, you know, some guy who, like, sweeps the floor for the mop for, right know? exactly it was like they they found a guy they found a, a homeless man who was sitting next to one of their buildings and said hey you want to get in on this but uh, yeah, and again it's and like, by the it's way like... none of this is helped by the fact that stallone at this point at at, at in this movie kind of looks like lothar from from the rocketeer <laughs> yes <laughs> you know yeah and again, this is something that I do want that in essence I do want to see, which is like accounting for the fact that this is a man in his is his seventies and that he's out of depth dealing with dangerous people. Right. Um so Do you count I that kinda, as one of the things they got right? But it goes but no, but it, it the way it goes too far. I mean okay. it's genuinely it's like you know, he he's he's just this this I mean, that's the point they want to make. He's just this this old guy who gets beaten up, you know. But he gets beaten within an inch of his life. His face is fucked, which is, you know, you 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 used to seeing Rocky like that, but not Rambo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get, you know, when when the cartel, the two brothers who run the cartel, are suddenly appear. Again, it's like after having a movie we talked about where you have a totally impassive villain, which is great for that movie. We go back to these kind of like somewhat charismatic, talkative, cartoonish villains in the Stephen Burkoff style. The problem is everyone in Mexico is like that. Everyone Mm -hmm. we encounter in Mexico is that level of villainy. So it's rendered moot. So I appreciate the choice, but the execution of everything in Mexico, as soon as we get over the border, that music that they choose to have when she's crossing the border it's like you know it just 
here's the thing. Here's the overall my overall feeling about this movie. I don't mind that Rambo is racist about Mexicans. Like I feel like a man of his age background what's going on with him psychologically be that race yeah that he could be like that i just don't expect the movie to condone that view to condone it right every single way they do when he says mexico is a dangerous place we're getting ominous music as we go over the border he says Mm. you know the police don't do shit later on in the movie we see the police escorting the cartel into escorting the cartel into his yeah right so that's the the problem here Going back to problems I've had with previous sequels and the the messiness and cleaning up of the messiness. In this movie, Rambo decides to go back to Mexico, cuts off a man's head, brings his head into his car Mm -hmm. so that on the way back home he can drop it out the window. Right. Which is really just a visual scene for the audience. But imagine cutting off a man's head... And while it's dripping, I'm going to bring this with me is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to drop it on the pavement. Nobody would do that. It feels like an afterthought, uh, you know, that like (laughs) it's like this movie's short on cool action moments. Mm -hmm. So there's really there's really his him throwing the head out of the car and then and we're skipping ahead a little bit, but we'll talk in more detail about this scene for sure. But it's not that when he rips the man's heart out, but the cool action moment is when he just kind of drops it casually. Like he tur- there's, a, there's a shot of him turning and then yeah. the heart just kind of falls out of his hand and I'm like, okay, that is, that's like a good, that's a good Rambo moment in the middle of all this. And the, the movie that precedes it, because they drop all the fun out of the movie. Yeah. It doesn't have the same effect as say the explosive tip arrow that, that explodes a man in part two. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think it's, it's, and again, it's like another, it's like disingenuous to, because we're, (laughs) because we're circling back, having already gone full circle. Right. We need now need to do the first two sequels again, but you don't want you, that tone doesn't work anymore because we've come to the end of the circle and we know that it's glorifying violence that doesn't need to be glorified. Mm-hmm. So that that's you said it. You said it best. It's like all the fun's been taken out of it. So when you have fun, it seems strange. Oh man, yeah. I mean, just to find where the bad guys are. You know, that scene where he follows the guy to the bar then follows him out of the bar, kidnaps him, stabs him in the leg, puts his thumb into his shoulder meat yeah, enough to break the skin and then start breaking bones. It just goes zero. I mean, this this is another it just goes zero to 100 into yeah. body horror. Right. And I feel like without being able to draw on specific examples in the previous movies, there's a sense of like that's the 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 big body horror shot, whether it's a guy exploding or you know like pulling a man's guts out, it's kind of the money shot. Yeah. Whereas like when you're ripping out a man's collarbone and that's the first act of violence you see, you right. kind of this is somewhere around you've blown you've blown your load 25. on this. Yeah, right. You've blown your load uh, at the beginning and then you know 
as extreme as ripping out a man's heart is. And I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that that happens in this movie. No. The only other movie I can think of where this happens is Temple of Doom. Um, <laughs> just just for, for, for context. Uh, it's, you know, it loses a little bit of its appeal as gore because the film has kind of done too much too soon with that. Yeah. And kind of peaked right. too... Peaked too early. I say peak too early. I did, none of this peaked is good. too early. I don't know that it's a peak, but let's take another break and then we'll come back and we'll finish up. We'll get to this ripping out of the heart scene. I, I, clearly, you have a lot to say about it and so do I. So we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll get into this final battle right Kalima. after this. If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound. But as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target. Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target. That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. And we're back. Tom and I are here discussing Rambo Last Blood. All right, Tom, there's a couple of things I want to get to before we get to this final battle scene. <laughs> I, I just came across a note that speaks to the sort of racism of this movie that I don't want to let pass. Okay. Because there's that moment where Paz Vega does save Rambo, yeah. right? Oh, 100%. So she gets him, puts him in the car, get, gets him home, doctor. Yeah. He wakes up four days later, I believe. <laughs> right. I'll take... His first question of her is, why did you do this? I have that note, too. As if to say, you're a yep. Mexican. Why would you help someone? I'm going to quote directly. And, of course, she has to say, I would do it for anyone. I'm going to, uh... Because, you know, I'm a human being. I'm going to quote directly from my notes. At okay, first, go Rambo ahead. can't believe a Mexican helped him. Then, he rides roughshod over her sister's death. <laughs> right? At this, because at this point she says, yes. you know, my my sister was killed by the cartel as well. So you know, I've d devoted my life to to uh, prosecuting, you know, getting them prosecuted. And he's like, okay, let's go to the whorehouse. Or what? I don't know what he says, but it's not a reference right, to that. Right. It, it, in fact, no. I so, sort of remember that he kind of uses it's. Let's help me with well, my he kind situation. Of uses that as blackmail for her to help him more. As if saving his life from certain death is not good enough. It's like right. these Mexicans, you know, they, they they save your life, but then they won't follow through. 
but then they won't do what you right, tell them exactly. to do. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you're absolutely right. That is incredibly problematic, and I noticed it too, that even this character who's yeah. supposed to represent the most, as they see it, the most positive aspects of Mexico, which is uh, you know independent journalism fighting the cartel. Independent journalism. They fucked right. that out royally too. Well, and then we go home and he's preparing for battle and you have what I what I refer to as we're going back to the 80s with montages. Yep. We have what I call the sadness and despair montage. <laughs> Are you talking about him, uh, his home, liter- literally home alone preparations? Yes. And you, Well, I mean, I, I thought that that was the point. And yeah. I wanted to know what you thought because so much of that is filled with yes. things we've already seen, not in previous movies, but in this fucking movie. Yes. Well. And I, you know, of course we've we've skipped over the very point that Gabriella is dead by this point. He does manage to save her, but not in time for her to do anything other than die on the car ride home. And this is a home. point of contrast with the, well, it actually makes Rambo look the previous worse. movie, the L- Rambo Four Rambo look for look worse because yeah, I, oh, man. because she gets raped and drugged so quickly before Rambo is right. even aware that she's left Arizona. She's dead inside of five days. Um, we realize that, which even just from well, a a money standpoint from the cartel. Yeah. You want to keep these people you've kidnapped alive. A yeah, longer, then they make they you? make the point again. They deal they deal with that in a bullshit way by saying, "Oh, I'm going to make an example it, of right, her because okay. you're you're We're crazy. Make an example of her because you're crazy you tried to white save her. possibly crazy might be your uncle dad. I think came they think... and tried to hurt someone, <laughs> yeah. and we kicked the shit out of him. So for some reason, that means you get like ten times as many drugs pumped into you. Um. Yeah, but you know, we realize that Julie Benz was spared solely because she was white enough, <laughs> because they're not sparing right. the brown women in this, and a brown teenager. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's shocking. And then, then they do something. the The politics of it are so gross. And then, of course, to sort of to cap it all off, you know, he. He, I suppose we should talk about him crashing the the border fence, and what that's supposed to symbolize. Mm-hmm. Nothing good. Nothing um, good, right? Well, you know, he he tries to get her home, and he's driving her home, and we have this kind of story time in the car where he's trying to keep her from di- stay awake so she won't die. From yeah, and he from tells going her things uh, <laughs> that. You're right, and you say that 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 it's talking about things that are just in this movie and are just between the end of Rambo and this movie. They play such a, those kind of events that we don't know about, have not seen, play such a huge part in this movie. It falls apart. So he tells this story, something we mm-hmm. you know we don't know anything about the relationship, and he fills some of that in, and he he says, you know, you were goodness and. Good, there's good in the world, family, innocence. I started to believe in that. Then she dies. So basically, was yeah. We're, again, we're endorsing Rambo's viewpoint. You know, yeah, everything's fucked. Mm-hmm. I can kill whoever I want now because nothing matters. 
because the world's and bad. of course the image of him breaking over the border fence which i've gone back and forth on like how pro-trumpian i think this movie is but that's a damning image this image of a permeable border that is later followed up by the the cartel uh, coming to me- right. coming to Arizona by literally walking Expector Gadget style underneath the border and then coming up. Right. <laughs> and, you know, this image of a permeable border has played into so much of Trump's anti-immigration rhetoric. It's hard not to see it as part right. of the same thing. I think, you know, when, when I saw what David Morrell said, you know, it's like, this is so right wing. I don't want anything to do with this. David Morrell being the, the mm-hmm. author of First Blood, the original author I kind of the first of, book. I want. I don't need to distance myself a little bit from from that because there are times when I can see some from Morel's stance. You mean? Because I think there are there are times when uh-huh. you could almost read it as a, if not anti-Trump, then certainly that it's trying to make a different point. Like if 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 Trump's big thing is about build the border wall to keep the bad hombres out. Bad hombres, um, Jesus Christ. Stallone's sort of saying like, well, they'd fight. It's like they'd find a way into the country. But that in itself is even more racist than what Trump's even talking about. So it's really difficult right. because it's hard to get past that. Im- you know, it's like you could almost play a Trump voiceover of him saying, you know, there are a lot of bad hombres coming into our country over the Inspector Gadget style trapdoor entry. Yeah, um, exactly. But I go back, go back and forth that... Like what if that what if that scene had Trump voiceover? I'm sure someone's on it? done it. I'm sure some someone on Parler's done it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that's a, a lot of that's hard to take. I, I mean, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time that some of it is a little bit unintentional. I mean, there's also the cool, you know, it's like another cool action moment of him ramming the fence. But the fact that it's the U.S. border, you can't overlook that. You can't overlook it, exactly. Well, and then we get to, you know, his Home Alone moment. That's the thing, like in previous movies, you kind of read Home Alone into it, uh, even though it's like in the jungle or in the desert. He's in his home. This is indistinguishable from what happens in Home Alone. He's protecting his house against intruders. It's the same thing. There's no difference anymore. Well, I wrote two notes. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote down, Rambo's got his Home Alone moment, and then I also wrote down we have, but we also kind of have an A Team getting ready scene. Oh yeah, because right around minute forty of every A Team yeah. episode is the A Team preparing and I didn't for mind, battle. To be honest, I didn't mind that. I felt that that was the point where the movie was kind of remembering what it was supposed to be. To be, you mm-hmm. know, like. I think we talked about this before when when we met, when we were discussing a good day to die hard that like the last act of that movie almost gets to grips with what a die hard movie should be like and I feel like this is this is it's 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 uh sort of like it's almost like you know suddenly remembering that you're doing a Rambo movie it's like oh shit we got to yeah. have this i mean this is as good a time as any we're a bit right. late in a bit late in the movie well, for this and... kind of stuff but okay <laughs> right because because i've decided that this movie is morally yeah terrible 
Like I, you I kind of check I out. I don't think that's a unilateral scene... decision, Michael. <laughs> but if you take this scene just by itself, yeah, I think it works on you know for and what then it is. The doors starts playing, and, right? And again, that's more like something that would happen in Home Alone than a Rambo movie. Because mm-hmm. I, I was trying to think, is there, you know, would Rambo ever, you know, the WWRD, would Rambo ever do something that comic in in this context when it's so personal, it's like more personal to him than it's ever been before? Than it's ever been, exactly. And then I'm like, right. well, maybe in Rambo 3, but I guess that just goes to prove that it, it definitely shouldn't be in there. <laughs> <laughs> because those kind of things only work within the mild, you know, the sort of weirdly comic framework of Rambo 3. Comic yeah. framework of that movie. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and that and the Doors, the the 5 to 1 by the Doors is one of my favorite songs. I'm not going to, you know, I'm always happy yeah, to, right. to hear it just not in this context. Um it it's uh, you've alluded to it as well. We're calling back to things that are not from previous movies, but have only been established at the beginning of this movie. Of this movie, and right. for all the content, you know, <laughs> there's a great, a great scene. We're talking relatively here. There's a good scene. There's a good moment. Oh, there's know. a good shot. <laughs> I'm talking myself out of this gradually. <laughs> there's a good edit. <laughs> The gradualness with which <laughs> you're trying to give this poor movie I, any credit. I, I give it credit. Without sounding like a buffoon. I give like it credit, buffoon. and I always give Go Stallone ahead. credit for remembering how the last movie ended and allowing that to play into the next movie. He does that in all the Rockies really well. And this one here is, mm-hmm. is really good because uh, when he gets the news that Gabriella's uh, gone to Mexico against everyone's will he gets in the he gets in his pickup and then races uh up to the the road and he kind of it's like literally we walk back at speed the end of rambo where we see him walking into the ranch and they focus on the mailbox like really heavily as like this is the link between these two movies this is the link between uh, the last movie. And I like movie, that, and yeah. that's, really, that's really nicely done. And like I say, I'm glad that they haven't forgotten that he ended up at this ranch and they haven't taught themselves out of doing that. But then you're stuck with this ranch. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to make it the center of your, you know, your final action set piece. Uh, and you end up doing, again, what is in essence Home Alone. What they did. Yeah. It can't be helped at that point. <laughs> yeah, you've saddled you've to use a horse to use an equestrian term. You've saddled yourself with that right. that horse ranch. <laughs> you saddled yourself with this nonsense. All right, so let's get to. I mean, basically, what happens is he kills everybody in the tunnels except the one brother he hasn't killed. The one he- he's head purposely brother of keeping the him alive as well. We should mention that. And he's purposely keeping him alive. He tells him via CB radio over intercom or whatever, that he's done so, that he could have killed him ten times by now, and then proceeds to blow up his own tunnels. But but tells tells the guy, follow the lights out if you want to live. How did this this 
guy get so far up in the cartel when he's been lured into such an obvious trap by a man yeah, in right. his seventies? Seventies. <laughs> well, he. I mean, you've you've talked. Uh, you've. I think off mic, you've talked about. Uh, that that's that's my nickname for you when you're when you're grumpy and haven't eaten off mic. Uh, <laughs> that 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 side of mic doesn't exist. I hate to I hate to tell you, listeners. Um, you've talked about it most assuredly does, fucko. Uh, Just Rambo gonna... Rambo tells the guy what he's going to do to him verbally. Right. However, he says, "I'm gonna rip your heart out." I'm gonna. You're gonna feel what it's like to. No, he says you're gonna feel what it's like to have your heart ripped out, which at the time before this happens, I think he's talking symbolically about like emotional right. pain. Yes. <laughs> Little did I know. He's speaking to his own. And emotional this surprised pain. me on both viewings that this still happens. He is just. He is <laughs> talking completely literally. And saying, no, I'm going to come over to you and I'm going to reach into your body and pull your heart out. And pull out your heart. But he also stabs the man in the chest and you can see the knife going down. And I keep, I keep thinking medical questions. I'm like, can that knife get through your rib cage? Is it getting through bone? Because he starts up top. <laughs> it cuts all the way down to the belly and then over. And then goes up through the hole, I assume, under the ribcage to grab that heart. I mean, this would be shocking in a horror movie to see this. <laughs> After, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, we, we, I, I guess the collarbone and the, and the decapitated head sort of prepares us for something bigger is coming. Did you notice the heart was a little bit black, too? <laughs> I'm sure that was intentional. Um, yeah. And like I say, the the only part of that I like is when he it sort of falls out of his hands, and I kind of think like again, like I don't know, Stallone is old enough that he might just have dropped it, but you know, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it, it right, adds exactly. up to a relatively cool moment. Although, as you say, not you know, not for this movie, for maybe Rambo three or a slick a slicker movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he goes and sits on his rocking chair, which you think will be the end. And but no. I, I made that note. I we said, have... that, and and then not only that, we get like a a classic Hollywood crane shot that pulls away from from mm-hmm. the from him on the porch. It's like a kind of like the end of the Searchers or something or High Noon. And I'm like, right. wow, that could not be a better way to end this movie. Like it almost redeems this movie. Almost. <laughs> No, <laughs> but of course, because it's last. I don't blood. think it's an because almost, it's last but, blood. Right, because it's last it, blood, and because it's a fifth in the series, maybe because he insists on you know in the rock same yeah. as the Rocky series when he makes his shittiest movie in the series. That's when he shows uh, a multitude of of single shots from every movie in the series. Before that, there's a voiceover, which is the voiceover that we heard in the the trailer, and I assume right, it was like spoke, an opening. Yeah monologue or something but is in fact the end of the movie <laughs> not only does this not tell us anything we don't already know 
Uh, it's also a mistake he's repeating, right. like hearing Rambo. The only other time we've heard Rambo's in a monologue was in Rambo, in a similarly unnecessary, mis- mm-hmm. you know, misjudged moment. Misguided. That he's yeah. now, re- so he's repeating mistakes, and he's not giving us any new information. And then we go into the <laughs> the the montage uh, of. Well, then we go into the montage, and the end of the montage is him getting right. on a horse and riding towards the mountains, apparently for medical attention. It, it's it's hard it's hard for me to not. I mean, I've been reading, and this will come into into play uh, in a little while. Um, for us, I've been reading the book Taking Shape, which is about the history of the Halloween movies. And later, later on in the mm. in the kind of Halloween franchise, they wanted to satisfy the producer that you know, because he all he wanted to do was keep making Halloween movies and making money. So every time they wanted to kill mm. off Michael Myers, they would film a scene in which Michael Myers survives. So I say, look, we're going to end the movie with him clearly right. dying, but we've also filmed a scene where where we can walk, where, that's walk that back. So we if, can walk you know, it back, and, and that's you know how they went from H two O to Halloween Resurrection was by putting a scene that they'd filmed for insurance in the beginning of the next movie. Just and I case. can't help think something else, something like that is going on here. That it's like, well, let's just film this. Like Stallone's like, let's just film the scene of Rambo riding away on this horse. We won't use it. Mm-hmm. But then he puts <laughs> right. it in. Um, of course I mean, if, if I, again, if How I was playing devil, devil's advocate, I'd say this is, that's also a nice Western ending. It reminds me of the end of Shane where, you know, like his fate is uncertain. Because he, he is riding, riding off into the, into the sunset. sunset. So it doesn't upset yeah. that side of it, but the idea of him dying on his porch in with that crane shot, you know, it's always a bad choice to have that recap of the franchise. It's a mistake he's made yeah. before, but if you're going to do it, that's the moment to do it. And then Rambo dies. <laughs> like right. that would yeah. again, not quite justify it, but you would feel less aggrieved. But when it's, a springboard for Rambo surviving, it makes even less sense. Because it's like, right. the story's over. Oh, wait, the story's not over. I, I think even if you like did it as a post credit scene, it would be... And there was some ambiguity about it. Like, was he alive? Was he? Did he just slump over his horse and die? You know? Uh, would have been something. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I, I don't think I have anything left on this movie. I think it's just time to, you know, put your headbands down at half mast and let it go. Uh, there's something I can't let go. I've got a couple of All credit right. notes that I have to get to. Of well, there were, there were unresolved questions. This is becoming a, a recurring popular theme Only for on these movies. The Only series. on the Rambo movies. Okay. I'm fascinated by these credits. So remember uh, in, in our last episode on Rambo, I posited the theory that the credit security driver to Mr. Stallone could equally apply to both Frank and Sylvester. I have further mm-hmm. evidence that speaks to this, right? Go. Stallone, security driver for Mr. Stallone, up to three drivers 
accredited. One of those is for Frank. I'm telling you. It just must be in Stallone's rider that my brother Frank gets a driver on any movie I do. <laughs> also, then and then finally, I don't do you know what do you know if this movie was filmed in Mexico or not? I because don't know actually. Support from this movie came from the Portuguese Tourism Board. That's interesting. And my initial thought was, oh, the scenes in Mexico are filmed in Portugal, which is entirely possible. Portugal. But maybe those scenes are actually filmed in Mexico and the Portuguese Tourism Board just wants to stop people going to Mexico and coming to Portugal. And that would make perfect <laughs> sense. That's the funny. last thing I want to do after seeing this movie is go to Mexico, even though right. I know I would have an amazing time. Because every time I go to Mexico, I sure. have an amazing time. <laughs> because there is not literally a, a Victorian villain on every corner. Right. Mm-hmm. Looking out for you. Yeah. But that's it. That's all that's right. uh, that's all I had. And um, more power to you. More power to well you, done. Frank. You get, you get the best out of your brother's career. You get yours, Frank. You, you've you've earned it. Well, let's not go too far. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Define earned. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if, uh, if you think there's something we've missed about Rambo Last Blood, I think you're wrong. But go ahead and you send us say an more email about to a movie everything that's sequel. Hour, 29 minutes, something. 29 minutes. <laughs> Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Let us know. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, if possible. Or wherever you get your podcasts. If they can, if you if you're allowed to rate and review, let it fly. All right, for Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions, I am Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. We will see you next time when we're actually advocating for pitching another movie to this series. Say goodbye, Tom. Why the fuck would you want to do that? (laughs) Goodbye, everybody.